All right. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, hopefully everyone can hear me. Okay, great. I'm Sam, and uh, I am so thankful to be up here today and uh, so grateful to see each and every one of you this morning. Um, I want to share a little bit about my story before I read our verses for today. So I picked uh, Revelation 3, 7 to 8, and that is a singular word, Revelation. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> I thought it was Revelations. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have been a part of Love Chapel Hill for a year now. I was introduced to this community uh, by my sister Priya. Many of you know her. And um, a little bit about my backstory. I was born and raised in Chennai, India. And I moved to Kansas when I was 10 years old and then came out here for college. And in college, I experienced a really powerful encounter with Jesus. And it was the first of many. And here I am still learning and discovering what that means in my search for wholeness. And um, one thing that I, I want to say about my journey is that I always felt like there has to be this narrative that you hit one rock bottom in life and then you come to Jesus. But that has not been my story. <laughs> uh, I have learned that there can be many rock bottoms in life and, um, and also that the biggest storms in life can be internal. As a little kid, we think that a lot of the biggest storms are external, but um, as I've grown, I've kind of learned that um, sometimes the biggest storms in life are internal. And uh, I am currently doing my PhD in physics at NC State. But uh, first time around, when I went through college, I dropped out and I swore I would never go back. And it took me a couple years to be willing uh, to give education a chance. <laughs> and in the last couple of years, I have um, experienced a lot of struggles, both with my physical health and also my mental health. And I kind of feel like through life it has been either my mind letting me down or my body letting me down. And uh, this year it reached a point where both kind of you know, fell apart in a huge way. And, um, and even though uh, there have been great exoduses in my life of rescue, which is the reason that I am alive and still here today, um, there have also been really dark times and this year reached a point where um, I had very little strength left and most days the goal was to continue staying alive. And um, all I could do was self-care and take care of my health. And it became a huge priority to where everything else had to be let go of. And in that place, I discovered God's love in a new way through that. And um, 
the reason that I picked this verse is that during the really hard times, um, I watched this show called Lock and Key. I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but it's on Netflix. And um, there are many points where I wasn't functional, and this was all I could do was, you know, we're going to watch some TV, we're going to get through the day, we're going to use coping skills to stay alive. And there was something really beautiful about this show and how there's this family that has a trauma history and they leave the town that they were living in and they come to this new place and this child discovers these magical keys that open doors and there's really beautiful things like opening the door to resurrection or being transported to another place in the world does that remind you of things that happen in the new testament <laughs> so in watching the show i kind of began to realize that there is a little child inside here and that um that that child is welcome in the kingdom of god and that there are things i had forgotten about myself because of the depression because of the despair um, and god was reminding me that growing in my knowledge of him also involves growing in the knowledge of ourselves that it's not squashing one for the other but that god desires it to be harmonious that we don't violently kill our identities just to figure out who God is. And that's sort of the way that I had viewed my relationship with God for a long time. So um, with that, I want to read out our verses for today from scripture. And let me just open with a short prayer. Um, God, I just thank you for bringing me here today. Uh, for giving me a voice and for the gift of choice. And I just ask that we would be able to see you rightly, Jesus, and savor you. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so Revelation 3, 7 to 8. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So I want to start by asking the question, what does this text say to us? Um, who is the speaker? So a little earlier in the chapter, uh, we see that it is Jesus who is speaking this message. And it's interesting because he talks about himself in the third person, and then he transitions to first person when addressing the people of this church. And I wondered why that was. And it could be because Jesus first wants us to know who he is, that he is holy and true, 
before giving the content of his message. So this isn't an empty or trite encouragement, but there's weight behind it. And we'll see why this weight matters because the people are living in really pressing circumstances. So who is Jesus addressing? Uh, it says the angel of the church of, of Philadelphia. So what do angels do other than scare the living daylights out of you? <laughs> well, they are messengers of God. Uh, the Greek word literally translates to one who is sent or one who announces. And the implication here can be either supernatural or heavenly beings or human messengers. Uh, especially in this context, it could refer to a pastoral person because the message is addressed to the angel of the church. Uh, what about the church here in Philadelphia? So the word Philadelphia means the city of him who loves his brother, which I think this, this is an incredible uh, meaning, especially given what is going on in the city at the time and in this church. So it's a very prosperous city and it was called Little Athens in the sixth century AD uh, because of its festivals and its temples. So Christianity was a minority religion in this time period. And it's very clear from the text that this was a church of little power and strength during very difficult times. So the people were experiencing tremendous suffering, injustices, and opposition from the hands of people in power. And Jesus wanted them to know that it was not their fault, that this wasn't happening because of their lack of faith, and that is why he emphasizes that they have kept his word and not denied his name. And in fact, in verse 9, uh, he says that whoever is causing their suffering will learn that I have loved you. It's a powerful affirmation for vulnerable and marginalized people who are starting to doubt God's love for them in unbearable times. So now that we know a little bit about what the text says, what does it mean? So I want to talk a little bit about the key of David. Um, this concept was very mystical to me when I first encountered it. And it actually harkens back to a prophecy from Isaiah 22, uh, where it says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for the house of his father. All the glory of his family will hang on him, its offspring and offshoots, all its lesser vessels, from the bowls to all the jars. So the key of David is a symbol of ultimate power and authority that Jesus has. And even beyond that, I feel like it's about the lineage of Jesus continuing with us through his bodily form 
in his resurrection, though he made himself biologically extinct by being single until the day he died, his family still continues, which is an incredible thing to consider. And the second thing I want to talk about is the closed door that no one can open and the open door that no one can shut. This speaks to the finality of Jesus's authority. And when I was meditating on the scripture and asked God what kind of heart I ought to have when I come before you here, the one thing that I felt very strongly from God was that he hates the barriers that are put up in accessing his love. And I really began to weep when I thought about the barriers that people put up um, towards accessing Jesus and his love. And this verse is an encouragement to all that no earthly or spiritual power can block this access. And I believe the intention behind the statement is personal empowerment in times of helplessness and suffering. And I want to challenge us as Christians, what barriers are we putting up in, that are keeping people from encountering God's love? In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And I just, that open door is something that is so precious and beautiful. And I have just been really sitting with that for the last few weeks. The last thing that I want to talk about um, is about keeping his word and not denying his name. I had a tough time with this. What does it mean? Um, so let me kind of start by saying what it doesn't mean, which is that this is not about putting up any kind of perfect behaviors. Um, and the reason I say that is because, first of all, Peter denied Jesus, not once, but three times. And he even swore it as an oath publicly. And so this isn't about not ever having lapses of faith. We all have lapses of faith. Every one of us have experienced times where our faith has failed. And if you haven't, it will, because you're human. And just because your faith fails, it doesn't mean that it fails utterly. And so I feel like this is an encouragement from Jesus to anyone who feels weak or broken down in their faith, that, um, that he's speaking to you, that you have kept my word and not denied my name. And in, in fact, not only did Peter deny Jesus, but this whole concept of disowning and denying occurs over and over and over again in the Bible. And God responds to it in the most incredible way in continuing to pursue people. Um, and even Moses was disowned by, by his own people. And they asked, who made you judge and ruler over us? But yet God chose 
to make him the leader of the people. And so um, I just really, really want to encourage you that if you have felt like your faith has failed or if you feel like you have failed, that spirituality and having a relationship with God is a learning process like other things in life. And I used to have a very magical and rigid view of what it meant to follow Jesus, that you're not allowed to make mistakes, <laughs> that somehow there can only be a rock bottom before you hit Jesus, and then it's got to be all up from there. And that is not the way it works <laughs> at all. <laughs> So now I want to move on to what does these verses mean to me and how does it relate to my story? So I come before you really weary in my faith right now. And I feel like the fact that I am standing in front of you is beyond my own comprehension. Um, I have felt very worn out and burnt out and I'm living in times of little strength. Uh, this last year has been extremely challenging for a lot of people and I've been battling on the physical and the mental health front which has inevitably led to a great amount of tension in the spiritual health front. It's just inevitable. Um, and this year I have experienced open doors such as being a part of this community. That has been an open door. But I've also experienced closed doors that I don't understand why they closed. And in, but instead of asking why all the time, and I've noticed it hasn't been a very effective question, <laughs> there has been an embrace of the uncertainty and the tensions that come with it. Being able to acknowledge the realities of both open and closed doors is a challenge that I am inviting you into for me, it has meant resisting the urge to give in to either toxic positivity um, or total pessimism and hopelessness. And on keeping his word and not denying his name, I have felt like spiritual health and mental health were mutually exclusive until very recently in my life. Like I had to pick one or the other. I could either experience being spiritually healthy at the, expense, at the expense of my mental health, or I could be mentally healthy and feel like my spiritual health was going down the drain. But I have began to slowly discover that it is possible to pursue a spirituality that is mentally healthy. And I'm here to tell you that and encourage you um, on this journey. I have struggled with a chronic sense of despair and depression since I was very little. And it became spiritualized into condemnation and shame for years, mainly in the form of internal voices that felt like God. And recently I have struggled with very intense PTSD and I have learned so much through doing trauma work that, and in the midst of this chaos and woundedness, Hearing Jesus say, I know that you have very little strength left, but you're still my friend. And there's still an open door of fellowship and intimacy has been profoundly healing for me. Maybe faith might look very different this season for some of you. Maybe it might mean not reading the Bible alone, but with others. 
because there are certain scripture verses that are very triggering and in which the response has felt very self-destructive. That has been the case for me. Maybe it means being out in nature to connect with God because you don't really feel his presence during this time. In the New Testament, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And I learned recently from Justin that sheep don't see very well, which is why recognizing the shepherd's voice is crucial to their survival. There have been people in this community and outside this community who have affirmed his voice, Christians and non-Christians, and affirmed his words when I haven't been able to see him or experience him clearly. And I hope you experience that today in these words of Jesus. I've been asking myself a new question this season. What kind of relationship do I want to have with God? I used to obsess singularly on what kind of relationship God wants to have with me to the extreme of feeling like I have no voice in the matter or a choice in the matter. But I'm here to tell you that you do and that God honors our voice and he wants us to discover our voice and he also honors our choice. And the concept of choice is extremely important, especially for people who are trauma survivors. So I am discovering that this season, I want God to be curious with me and present with me as I grow in the knowledge of self and the knowledge of God, and hopefully the knowledge of self in God. Do we know who he made us to be as unique individuals? Lastly, I want to ask the question, what does this scripture mean for us, the church? And one of the things I felt very strongly is that this open door symbolized open doors of conversation in our community around stigmatized topics. Jesus didn't shy away from certain topics or certain places. In fact, he dwelled in those spaces to be with people and walk with them through whatever they were going through. It is an invitation to being known that comes with freedom, the freedom for curiosity to sit down with the personhood of God and nothing is forbidden or off the table to discuss. And the second thing is I just want to encourage each one of you in this community and thank you for being safe people. And I want to encourage you to keep doing what we've been doing and to grow more and deeper in that. Um, this woman named Rachel Clinton Chen, who's a trauma practitioner, has observed three things about safe communities, which is that we have the capacity for truth telling. We can handle the tensions and, com and complexities both in our life experiences and when encountering God's word. And thirdly, there's room for being human and feeling shattered, but also room for integration and encouragement of hope. And the last thing I want to encourage is the restoration of mystery and childlike wonder in our spiritual journey. Instead of being fixated on finding rigid answers, knowing that we are securely loved and accepted during times of little strength can help us live intentions that are otherwise unbearable.
being open to the possibility of spiritual growth during very dark times. Matt once told me that the strongest part of the tree are the roots, and they grow strong in the darkest place possible, which is underground. So if you are going through dark times, I just wanna encourage you that you are not alone. And um, with that, I just wanna thank you so much for, for listening to me and for being here.